With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Inside Try Show with Helen Murray. This is the podcast that takes a deeper look at the sport. With in-depth interviews and special episodes to keep you entertained and inspired while you're training. And action. Okay, let's stop before I get carried away. (laughs) Hello and welcome to episode 107 of the Inside Try Show, sponsored by Resilient Nutrition, who make incredible long-range fuel nut butters. I'm Helen Murray, and each week on the Inside Try Show, I bring you awesome interviews from triathlon and beyond. And thank you very much for all of your lovely comments after the ultra marathon the other weekend. I saw the results recently. They didn't come out really soon after it because it was so cold and so they had to do a lot by paperwork anyway I was like eight hours ten minutes Chrissy Wellington five hours 49 or something won the whole thing beat all the guys beat all the women absolutely flew past me I think I was walking and that really wasn't that far into it at all she just looked so strong and happy and on it (laughs) She was going. She was not stopping. I don't think she would have talked her way around for eight hours, which was uh, my style. It was pretty much, yeah, just a brilliant long day out in the hills, which is, for me, exactly what I had hoped it would be. And we were so, so fortunate that the weather was kind to us as well and really fortunate that it wasn't the day before or the day after or today because I think we would have got just a little bit wet I mean we had a bit of snow but yeah we would have got absolutely soaking and it would have been miserable and um and I'm pretty sure that we will be getting drenched when we head up to the Noidart Peninsula for the Highland Ultra in April I think it probably goes with the territory to be fair but um I've been speaking actually to Dr Greg Potter recently not about wet feet, but some of the other things that we might want to think about as we head into and during the event as well. And Greg's the co-founder and chief science officer at resilientnutrition.com. You might remember him from back in episode 23, which was all about sleep because he's got a PhD actually to do with sleep and the relationship between sleep, what we eat and metabolic health as well. And so it kind of makes total sense to find out about how we can maximise our sleep going into the multi-day ultra. So assuming that you've got a, a clear training plan with an appropriate taper too, and just to touch on that, I think some of the best proven 
taper strategies basically include a reduction in training loads and training volume specifically of up to 50% or so in the couple of weeks before the event while maintaining training intensity. And that will ensure that you've maintained your fitness but have reduced any residual fatigue that's accumulated during your previous training. Now, with that said, we can consider a couple of different things to attend to. One is your sleep and one is your nutrition. So first, with respect to sleep, chances are you're going to lose a bit of sleep during the event. And you can do things to prepare for that sleep loss. People will have heard of the idea of banking sleep. And the premise is quite simple. If you're going to go through a period in which you're not getting enough sleep, if you can try and catch up on sleep in advance of that and bank as much sleep as possible, then if you're spending more money by way of your extended wakefulness during the event, at least you're going into those expenses with lots of money accumulated in your account in the form of sufficient sleep. And the way that you might do that is by extending your time in bed by a reasonable amount. And what I mean by that is let's say that habitually you spend seven hours in bed per night. You're in bed from roughly 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. If that's true of you, then it might be that that's enough sleep for you, but it might also be that over time you've accumulated a bit of a sleep debt. And if you can then extend your time in bed by up to 30% or so, so that might entail going from seven hours in bed per night to nine hours in bed per night, and you could achieve that in different ways, but I would typically recommend people go to bed slightly earlier, but focus more on sleeping in slightly later in the morning. The reason being you don't want to go to bed and lie in bed awake because you've gone to bed earlier than usual and you're not actually sleepy at that time. So even when you're trying to bank sleep, it's really important that you only go to bed when you're actually sleepy. And if you do this, then you want to remove any barriers to you getting more sleep than is habitual. And that might entail reducing your consumption of stimulants, especially late in the day. So if you're a bit of a coffee fiend, then you might focus on not consuming any caffeine any later than perhaps eight hours before your bedtime and reducing your total caffeine intake each day too. And please recognize that there are certain commonly consumed items that are very rich in caffeine, but people don't necessarily realize they are. And probably the main offender is dark chocolate. No, which... Greg, don't tell me dark chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that makes me unpopular. But a, a bar of really dark chocolate, I'm thinking, for example, of Montezuma's Absolute Black, which is 100% cocoa, can have lots of caffeine in it. So that particular product has more than 300 milligrams of caffeine in a 90 gram bar, which is about two Americanos. So that's a, that's a lot of caffeine and it's quite easy to put away half a bar of the stuff. And um, a lot of people tend to consume it late in the day too. So that's the type of thing that you want to avoid at this time. Sorry, but Greg, then, I'm just gonna have to pick up, pick up on the dark chocolate, right? What about Tesco, 70% dark chocolate, two squares of it. <laughs> that's my go-to. <laughs> 
I, I don't know the caffeine content of that off the top of my head, but 70% cocoa chocolate typically will contain something like 70 to 100 milligrams of caffeine per 100 gram bar. And if two squares is about a quarter of the bar, then we're probably talking about something like 20 to 25 milligrams of caffeine, which isn't too much. So I, I think if, if you find yourself accidentally indulging in some of that after dinner, then try not to lose sleep over it because it's probably not going to have a large effect and <laughs> you've probably got more important things to worry about, but hopefully the, the point remains. And then in terms of other things, I think spending plenty of time outdoors during daylight, especially in the first half of your waking day is going to be helpful at this time because what that's going to do is it's going to, anchor the timing of your body's clock relatively early in the day and that's going to help you feel sleepy and therefore fall asleep relatively early and if you fall asleep relatively early but you have to be up at a certain time for work the next day then you can extend your sleep opportunity if that makes sense because a lot of us have to wake to alarms in the morning but then otherwise set your alarm as late as possible and if you're somebody who usually presses snooze, try to avoid that and instead just keep it as late as possible. And if necessary, stick your alarm in the other side of your bedroom so that you physically have to get out of bed to turn it off and then you'll be up and around for the day. There is actually an alarm clock called Clocky, which will bounce around and be really annoying until you turn it off. And for people who really struggle to get out of bed because of their alarm, it can be just what they need to actually get going in the morning. So I think banking sleep is helpful. And if you can do that for at least a week, but ideally longer than that, then what you'll do is you'll buffer yourself against some of the subsequent consequences of maybe not getting enough sleep during the race itself. Remember, you can get 10% off Resilient Nutrition's long-range fuel pouches and jars, all of their nut butters with the code INSIDETRY10 over at resilientnutrition.com. Time for this week's interview. Danish triathletes Daniel Bekegaard and Mickey Tohal join us in a conversation this week to talk us through, well, why Denmark is absolutely on fire when it comes to producing some amazing middle and long distance triathletes. You might have seen their finish line celebrations as they came third and fourth respectively at the 2021 Ironman 70.3 World Championships. That is because they are really, really good friends as well as training partners. And they met a number of years ago via the Danish Federations, I can't say that, Danish Federations Youth Programme after switching from swimming. And they're part of this bigger training group with other Danish pros in Odense. And the guys properly, properly warm up, I promise you, as we get into this interview. They really get into it. They start taking the mick out of each other. And Daniel as well is, I have so much respect for him, actually. He is crazily open and honest about his mental health. And Mickey as well will make sure that you have no shame next time you crack into a song on the bike so yeah keep with it they warm up and they are absolutely brilliant and by the end of it i was like these guys are superb 
these guys are absolutely superb and I think especially in Denmark they will be incredible role models for the sport and it was brilliant to get to know them and get to know a little bit more about what makes them tick and everything else that goes with it. Okay, Daniel Bekegar and Mika Tohalt, welcome to the Inside Try Show. Oh, that was pretty good. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) The best one so far. Oh, for the pronunciation. Uh, you can go on. You you both say your names properly, and then we can both, and then we can see how off or close I was. Yeah. So uh, my name is uh, Daniel Bigegor. Okay, kind of Mickey. Yeah, my name is Mickey Tovalt. Yeah, you see, I was I wasn't too far away. wasn't too far away. No, it was at uh, all. it was pretty good. Oh, thank you, thank you. I appreciate this. So it's great to have you both on the podcast. Daniel, we'll kick off with you. And when did you guys both meet? Yeah, well, I think we met the first time in, what, 2014 or so? 15, maybe? Yeah, sounds about right. You know, we're both coming from from the swimming, with a swimming background and made the transition into triathlon. Um, and Miggy, you moved to Odense in what? 2013. Yeah, um, and was kind of a, a part of of the startup of of the national squad, and then I was one of the young guys who came to um, yeah to the to the national uh, team camp, trying to to get a slot on on the national team, and uh, did not really succeed. But I did succeed in making a a good friend out of Miki. So uh, that was times to remember for sure. So go on, Daniel. What what happened then? If you didn't make the team? Yeah, I was just I was just too slow. <laughs> you know, I, I did I did not really run run fast enough to be in contention. But yeah, but still, I, I love the environment. I felt coming from from swimming, it's it's two very different sports. When you look at at how the culture is in between athletes, so I came to the national uh, team camp and I immediately. You know, coming from the outside, I obviously knew about Miki and and some of the other guys um, who was on the national squad, and I was looking up to them massively. Um, and coming, you know, coming from a swimming background, I had a very hard time. I could not just go talk to to the people at the at the national national squad because there was this clear hierarchy, and there was just not something you would do but then immediately when I showed up at, at team camp Miki and Anas and some of the other guys they were just they were so friendly and I loved the the environment yeah from the beginning um, you know it was a cr- crazy way of starting starting out because I thought it would be more competitive than it was and it just felt like so natural to come to practice and help each other getting better. You know, everybody is is very or was dedicated, and obviously we were fighting for the same spots on the national team. But in 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 another way, we were helping each other getting better every day. So that was, yeah, it was mind blowing for me personally to to experience that and. Yeah, I, I went home and just said to my mother, I'm moving as soon as I can <laughs> to a dance because that was just, you know, 
that group mentality was just great um and i loved it from the first yeah from the first second yeah i agree very much with with yeah with daniel and this um i myself come came from swimming as well um and the culture in my local swim club is just i mean completely different being one of the like not top-notch swimmers on the team you were not really kind of like you were part of the team but you were not really part of the team and i kind of feel that that daniel had kind of the same so my experience when I started out of triathlon as well was that everybody was so welcoming and so friendly and so helpful. And I was like, I was blown away. I was like, wow, is this also a possibility to have like a culture like this? Um, and it made me f- fall in love with triathlon like straight away. Um, it was yeah, completely amazing. And I had zero doubt that I wanted to go to a dance as well as, I mean, as soon as the team started up. The triathlon world was so welcoming and so helpful, and I feel like me and Daniel are trying to continue the culture um, and bring that forward instead of the one we we both came from earlier. Um, yeah. And Mickey, what do you remember about Daniel that first time that you met? Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, Daniel and I we we clicked straight away. I we can't say this on a podcast; it's not <laughs> appropriate. But Daniel and I we we. We clicked straight away. Um, <laughs> I, f- I think it's best to say that we we found each other on a deeper level straight away. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah. we we share a certain personality, a certain type of humor, and <laughs> yeah, from the beginning, I just knew Mickey. He was a he was my go-to guy. <laughs> and sure. Mickey, you've you've recently. I'm not going to dig deeper on that because I don't know if we want to know. But um, Mickey, you have recently become a father. Um, how is fatherhood? It's yeah, it is. It's it's good. Um, I'm very happy to be a father, um, and apparently it's been really good for my triathlon career as well. Most people say that getting a child and doing a professional career is not the ideal, but apparently, no, I knew that. I have a very good girlfriend, um, and she have, I mean, proven that even more since since Carl was born, um, and has been. And it's been a gift for me. So I'm, I'm really enjoying fatherhood. Is Daniel a, the best uncle you could ever ask for? Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uncle Daniel is the best uncle you can have. That is that is for sure. <laughs> Daniel actually bought Carl probably the best gift he has yet received. Yeah, so uh, Mika and I, we share the, um, the love for, uh, for the same music band or group, music group. And um, I bought a body stocking for Carl for every single day of the week with a quote on. So um, I think that was that was a pretty well, uh, yeah, welcoming gift from your girlfriend, especially. Yeah, I don't know. My, my girlfriend's not too happy about it, and Carl only watches when I'm the one who put them close on him, which doesn't happen too often. Yeah. But every time it happens, then Carl has the suspect body stocking. Yeah. Yeah, and Carl knows. Oh yeah, Carl That's knows. Good quality. Yeah. Yeah. And do you spend a lot of a lot of time with each other away from training as well outside of training? We're starting to to spend more time with each other. Um, obviously, it's pretty difficult because it's like it's a full time job, and we have a lot of uh, a lot of traveling, um, and obviously we see each other every every day. So the fact you know. I would say once every second week we try to get together, um, and that's when once we started that that actually helped our like training also because we had 
something else than, than only uh, only training and training rides. It, it is for sure good training rides and it's also it's nice to, to have a friend you can actually train with every day but in the same time it's also nice to get together and eat pizza and just chill out and not being on the bike or hammering each other in, in the pool or whatever. Um, so that for sure helped our our relationship also with um, uh, Miki's girlfriend and, I, and my girlfriend as well. So uh, yeah, it's it's been very good. Yeah, I feel like the four of us have a, have a good time quite often. Um, but I mean, also a lot of the time when we're out on the bike, out running, out swimming, we're also kind of like fooling around every now and then. It's not like serious business all the time. It also occasionally happens that we might talk about other stuff on triathlon, even though it doesn't happen too often. <laughs> Then again, that's also that's also one one of the things that I I found very important because when I first started uh, joining the group, it, it was very I I feel like things have changed a lot this the past four years that we went from when we do when we did practice or workouts together, it was more serious all the time, and we had to kind of not kill each other in the sessions, but it was um, there was a lot a lot of difference b- between the athletes. You know, I was clearly one of the most immature guys you could possibly train with. Still is. Um, still is, but <laughs> that's in another way. Um, so the fact that you felt like you always you always had to win the sessions, um, and that's that's one of the big things that we try to incorporate into uh, into our training group uh, today. The fact that you have your own schedule and you have your own training plan and we help each other to get better but you don't have to win the sessions you don't have to push it more than you're actually supposed to and you know when you hear this on the podcast it sounds so easy but when you're out there and it is still your competitors and you want to show you know you want to measure something and and the fact that you can have self-confidence and actually holding back and keep to your pace or to your intensity um, that's something we uh, we found worked very well uh, in our group and also you can see you know all the athletes actually do very well when when we are um, yeah when we try to uh, implement that in daily training obviously it happens sometimes that uh, on the last rep you would uh, kind of race each other but for, for the most part, you will not destroy your own your own training and also the other guy's training um, f- uh, for that matter. So, you know, that comes from also knowing each other better personally and not only in the sport that you actually, you know, we can say to each other if if uh, one one of us is pushing too hard or do does something stupid meanwhile training and that that can be very tough to have a relationship where you can actually discuss the other uh, person's training mid while uh, the session. But I also feel that actually helps, you know, it helps, helps our relationship, but also it also, it also helps at races because um, we will be at races uh, um, in a good state and not completely burned out because we've used all our matches in, in training sessions. Yeah. yeah, this is very true, and it was even more true the first years and that the team st- started. Um, almost every practice was a competition, um, and no one wanted to lose the competition. So it was really much a battle between all of us, um, and I think that's just been a development 
on the team that everybody has matured more. Um, and as Daniel says, that, that we can discuss this openly and that everybody understands <clears throat> that if you say, hey, this is not like what's on the plane, then everybody knows, okay, this is, I mean, it's not on the plane, it's not what we're going to do, I'm going to try and let's stick to my own plan. Um, and it, that has really, really improved and definitely helped all of us um, to not burn too many matches or and also reduce the the injuries. We used to have quite a lot of injuries and it's actually been yeah very few injuries on the team for the last few years. That's amazing. Do you, do you have the same coaches or the same coaching team or do you have different coaches? Yeah, so, so since uh, Odense was the first national training center we had national coaches here and we still have those coaches around but they are not in the federation anymore um, so we are still using those coaches and we have two different coaches um, but we are kind of we are free to do yeah choose whatever coach we want because we also found that was the best setup for um, development for, for every athlete on the team so, so what we do is kind of have the same schedule, but we, we can have different training sessions, workouts, whatever. Um, and then we try to fit it as, as well as possible. Yeah, we are not 18 years anymore. So we do have, Miki have a son and, you know, we have other responsibilities. So, you know, if you do some sessions alone or if uh, it does not really fit, then that's how it is. Um, but we try to do the harder sessions uh, as much as possible together. I want to come back to like your younger use as well. But Mickey, world champion, what was it like coming down that finish line for you? Oof, that was... Um, actually, I want to start a little bit earlier. Okay, coming into the race, my goal was to finish within the top 10. And I think after the first lap, I was in top six and coming down seeing the finish line at that point I was actually pretty close to start crying I think I was I was so tired but I was also so so happy already at that point because I could see that okay top 10 was very high possibility going to happen I think I slapped myself in the face I said come on me it's not over yet and yeah I, I, I did one more lap I saw Daniel at the turnaround point looking like what I don't know 3k before the finish line and then coming down the hill running down Finished you seeing. I think Daniel was standing there pointing at me, and I don't know. <laughs> it's from then it went. Yeah, we had a party at the finish line. And I don't know. It. I think it was pure adrenaline. It was pure. I was just happy. It was relief, finally to put together a race that I was really, really proud of. I feel that it has been a long time coming. It was a big relief. I was so happy, and to get to share with Daniel was indescribable. We had been together for the last two weeks leading into World Champs. We had lived together, eat together. We had been so close together for the like the whole lead up to World Champs and then getting to to share this amazing experience on the finish line with Daniel was it was it was amazing. Daniel, did you have a little cry? <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, that was just surreal. I had massive goose goosebumps when I looked around at the tur la the last turnaround going down the hill I was just like what on earth because <laughs> I know we, we talked a bit uh, what we hoped uh, would happen in the race um, before the race 
and I got the feeling that Miki had kind of nothing to lose and just went into the race like we'll see what happens and I was so you know I was so happy for him because obviously I've also been there you know experiencing everything that happened to Miki the the past years good and bad and I know what it meant to him and that was uh, that was the most incredible feeling um and I was I was more, to be honest I was more proud of him than than myself because I could kind of I knew what it meant to him and that was just I get goosebumps now because it was just crazy and I obviously training with him every day I knew he had it in him and I knew he had a good performance um just uh, right around the corner and and then putting it out on on a day like world champs that's that's not bad um so that was it was just it was an awesome uh yeah an awesome feeling to to celebrate with a teammate um yeah that was pretty special it's it's amazing it's so cool (laughs) it's just it's just incredible daniel did you know where did you know where mickey was did you know he was going to be coming in fourth no i didn't uh, I knew I knew when yeah like two Ks left I knew I could see obviously Mickey uh, coming run, running and that was when I know, realized he was coming in fourth and obviously during the race you are so focused on your own task and everything so you're not really uh, you know you're not really realizing anything around you but that was kind of a I think that's one of the few moments where I really remember how I felt and how you know the fact that <laughs> I, I went from not being in the best mood to just explosion of, of uh, you know happiness in the in the chest and that was just yeah that was so nice to, to experience um, yeah and then also afterwards the fact that coming home to people uh, it, it's so surreal being at practice because obviously we're just uh <laughs> with two feeling like two nerds uh you know nobody's complete nobody's and then coming to uh to team training last saturday uh a true legend in danish travel and he uh he was there congratulating us and it was like <laughs> we walked a bit further further away and and looked at each other like that's that's just wrong he shouldn't do that <laughs> he's he's way you know he's way too big of a of a legend to uh, con- congratulate us and it just it feels so strange the fact that he actually think that we did a good job but obviously it's third and fourth at the world so it is a pretty pretty damn good job but it feels so strange you know to uh, i guess just getting a bit of recognition for for what you've done um and the fact that it's two of us coming from from Odense, that's uh, I guess that's pretty special. I mean, we're just two kids from Abbotsford, as Daniel would say, just two kids from from nowhere. <laughs> that that I mean, yeah, we're just me and Daniel. That's what I'm trying to say. That we're just we're nobody special. We're just two boys out there having fun, enjoying our lives, living our best life. Um, yeah. What difference do you think fatherhood has made to you? The fact that he went home the night of the race and not <laughs> stayed in St. George and celebrating with me, for sure. 
<laughs> yeah, someone was a little mad at me for not wanting to go to Vegas. <laughs> then it was pretty, uh, pretty pumped about going to Vegas to to do an after party. I even I even called Miggy's girlfriend and said like, you cannot make this happen. He have to stay here with me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was probably not the smartest decision. I think that it was six hours after I crossed the finish line. I sat on a plane on my way home. Flight got delayed. I ended up sitting in Phoenix, sitting on the curb, eating a pizza, and I sat there on my own, <laughs> ate a pizza, and I thought to myself, "Okay, I just finished fourth in the world today, and here I am sitting on the curb, eating pizza." That was. I was like, "Okay, I could have been in Vegas with Daniel, but here I am sitting in Phoenix, sitting on the curb, eating pizza." That's, yeah. Um, you you were asking about fatherhood. <laughs> No, no, no. That's way better. Honestly, that's way better. I think so. If 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 you were to do it again, do you think you would um, stay in Vegas, go to Vegas? Oh, I don't know. Almost the first feeling I had after I crossed the finish line was okay. Now I really just need to go home. I didn't really miss my family up until that part. I I did, but not that much. But after I crossed the finish line, after all the emotions, I was like, okay, now I just. Now I really want to go home. I, I missed my girlfriend, I missed my little boy, and I just, I really just needed to go home. So I think, could I do it all again? I would probably do the same. I had been there for so long, and I was just, yeah, I was missing family back home. Um, and I've, it, was, it was the right thing to do, and I would, I would do it again. Um, maybe not the delayed flight, but if everything had worked out, it would have been perfect. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So modest and, yeah, just modest and... That's also the problem sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think one thing is... um... We have this uh, terrible kind of uh, law in Denmark called Yandes law, kind of saying we you should not think you are anybody and uh, you should not think that you're better than anybody else and whatever. Yeah, so that that law is very much challenged when you meet Sam Long for sure. Um, <laughs> but I think that that also it makes it. You know, it, it shines through when, when you're also um, there as an athlete because um, the first time it's difficult to show up and say like, hey guys, I want to be a world champion. But obviously that's what we've, we're both here for. Obviously Magnus uh, Didlev and uh, Christian Hugenhauk, he they are kind of the same way. And so there must be something to it. But 
it also goes without saying because I know all of us wants to be the yeah out of each other uh, <clears throat> so I think we're modest but we also know that when the when it comes to it we also uh, yeah we know we know how to be tough to each other um, to put it politely you did say before we hit record that you had been uh, sort of smashing each other in the pool earlier <laughs> yeah for sure Mickey let's kick off with you what are your thoughts on Strava Um, I think it depends on how you use Strava I use Strava myself let's start out there I put my training up on Strava I don't look too much at Strava I mostly have it for fun I know that some people like to go in and see what I do at trainings and that's mostly the reason I have it I yeah follow a few of the other Danish pro athletes, um, but I don't follow any other international athletes. Um, I kind of feel that you can get, um, they can get a little bit in your head if you look too much at what other people do on Slava. Um, I know that has been the case for some Danish pro athletes. Also have been a little obsessed about their own Slava, about everything has to look perfect on Slava. And that I try not to worry about. I put my training up as it is. Yeah, so I, I really feel that it depends on how you use Strava. Daniel? Yeah, so first and foremost, I think Strava is a great tool. You know, I use it myself sometimes more in a way that, you know, when you go to new places, you can you can look up segments and you can look up uh, routes and all this. So just for, you know, for age groupers and for also pros for, for that matter, it's it's a great tool and it's great to have, you know, I can look up segments here in in Odense or Fyn, for example, and nearby where we live, I can find segments and see what other people have been riding. And then obviously I I go out and race those people, but I just don't feel like I need to put it up on, on Strava. But I, I think that's it's a great tool and also just to keep the motivation going and all this. Um, but... You know, as Mickey said, you also have to be able to handle it. And there's one thing being uh, an amateur and then being a professional. Um, and when you're a professional, you also have to, you have a responsibility to yourself, but also to the, um, you know, to the uh, people who backs you up and to, you know, every, everybody around you, your family and, um, and especially also the younger generation. And I think that's something that's massively overlooked because... As Miki said, some people do do Strava in order to make it look perfect, uh, to intimidate each other, and all of a sudden it's more important what happens on on Strava than what happens on race day. And then all all of a sudden, as a professional, you have sponsors you represent, and they can they put effort and money into you, but does not really get the you know um, the results or the the promotion they could have had if you were actually acting like a professional. So that's that's one thing. Um, and then when it comes to the younger generation, I also know what we really found in our um, training group is that what works for me does not work for me. And obviously our, our level is not that, you know, there's not, you know, it can be day to day how the level is in between us. Um, so it does not really matter what I do for Miki, because he and his coach have, have found out what works for him. 
and then you know if I do more hours than Miki, then all of a sudden you know it can be kind of the the culture that more is more and you just have to do 35 hours a week and then everything is perfect um, and then Miki sees that and we then he starts training 37 hours a week and then I get mad you know then we mess up each other's training sessions that's one thing another thing is we also have a responsibility for the new generation coming up you know small kids young kids looking at Strava and sees like okay I have to I have to train 30-35 hours a week in order to get better and what happens they get injured they burn out they you know does not really believe in their own coaches and all of a sudden we do not have the new talent that we actually could have had because of some stupid, uh, <laughs> you know, social uh, media training. Um, so I think that's that's one massive problem that is pretty much overlooked. Because I know a lot of people who have been been intimidated by the way pros are training, and then they just try to do the same, and they burn out or get injured. And I think that's such a shame because we could have so many more strong and fast um, triathletes in Denmark if uh, if people just learned early on to trust their own pro- uh, process and you know just stick to their own plan because uh, it doesn't really matter what ha- what works for other guys as long as you find out what works for you then that's a good thing and kind of the self belief that you're actually good enough as uh, as you are and you know you and your coach will definitely find out how to make you the best athletes uh, possible. And that's not how, you know, it, it, it's not determined how it look, looks on Strava. Daniel, wise words. <laughs> yep, I know. I've had a lot of lonely training sessions, uh, <laughs> long rides thinking about Strava. So, uh, no. <laughs> Did this start all after the KOM last year? The year before that, yeah. Go on, what happened? <laughs> yeah, Miki, Miki, um, Miki took uh, no, no, no. Strava segment here and it started uh, with uh, the two of us wanting to do it together. Yeah, yeah, it start. We have this twenty kilometer loop where we wanted to go uh, above fifty kilometers an hour on average or so, um, and we were like, oh, it could happen, maybe, or it's it's still a stretch and all this. And then uh, obviously uh, Miki went out and did it by himself, not consulting me or anybody else on the team. The night before we we had we had a we had a, a training schedule saying we had to do the KOM hunting, just because the weather situation was much better the night before. <laughs> he raced very well and obviously broke the uh, broke the fifty kilometers an hour mark. Um, for the first time, uh, and then I went out on uh, angry, angry raid the day after and tried to do the same, <laughs> ending up qu- uh, absolutely smashing myself. Uh, <laughs> I think I, I was laying in bed in, uh, in the night, the night after, just hating myself and, and thought about stopping my career because Miggy was such a prick. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey, um, what were you thinking? Yeah, it was a little yeah, bit sneaky. Not okay. No, it was not okay. <laughs> uh, it was one of the other teammates. He knew that I wanted to do it, 
And it was like, Miki, the weather's gonna be way better tonight than it is gonna be tomorrow night. So why don't you just go out and do it tonight? I was like, nah, oh, I can't do it. I was like, okay. Hmm. And you know, he, he planned with the thought in my head. I was like, hmm, I had a, a run that morning and then I had a swim. And I was like, hmm, I am, I'm actually really hitting good today. So I called my coach and I was like, okay, what do you say? Do you wanna come out tonight, follow in the car? You can bring the family, you can bring my girlfriend. We can, we can make a little event out of it. Um, and I was like, yeah, okay, I, I, I can do that. Um, so I, I snuck out, tried to not make, I mean, Odin's not that big. So I was like, okay, I need to, I need to sneak out of the city. No one can see me. Snuck out with all the race gear on, put on the disc wheel, put on the, the fast helmet, the suit, everything. And I snuck out, went out at night. And it was 6 p.m., I think. Um, and yeah, I did the loop. And uh, I put it on Strava, and I think five minutes went by, and then Daniel, Daniel called me, and he wrote me. I was like, "Fuck, I cannot look at this." I knew that I, it was a, it was a little bit naughty thing to do. So I was like, "Okay, this is, uh, yeah." That would have annoyed me. Yeah, I was not. I was not that. Uh, you know, I I was actually having one of the first. I think I had the one of the first dates with. Uh, with my girlfriend at that point, <laughs> and I was like, I have to put this on hold. I, I have to call Mickey because he's. <laughs> it's just not okay. <laughs> I, I'm pleased that your girlfriend is still with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. I'm actually kind of surprised sometimes, but. <laughs> Daniel, I would love to pick your brains a little bit about a couple of years before 2019 and why were you so low in life and low on self-belief and things like that oh that's a deep one <laughs> I know. um obviously both Mickey and i we came to odense with the dream of making the the olympic team um that was that was the initial initial um goal objective for the national training squad. And that would have been the Rio? That would, would it, me? Yeah. I think for yeah, me, originally, yeah, 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 that might have been. Yeah, I actually don't know. But, but um, yeah, because I went, I went to Odense in 2016. So that, that would, would be the, the Tokyo Olympics. You know, I was moving, I was moving to um, Odense starting with the training group. Uh, starting at university, I did some tests early on with my coach, and that, they were actually quite impressive. And I felt like everything was good. You know, looking back now, I was not at all mature enough to um, take the jump. So I did not really have control, you know, over my own life. I started. Um, partying way more than I should uh, because I obviously started on university and you know the, did those kind of uh, mistakes uh, early on and I remember the point when it hit me the fact that uh, I was kind of in a downward spiral we were at a at a meeting for the national team and I and I got the message message that I was kind of cut from uh, from the Olympic squad, and from that point, you know, I was thinking everything was pretty good, and then all of a sudden it started to okay, things are maybe not that good, because I'm not in the national team, or I was on the national team, but not on the Olympic team anymore, 
and obviously I still wanted it, wanted to compete. I wanted to go to the Olympics and I wanted to do good. Yeah, then there is this uh, kind of black period of my life. I can't really remember a lot of. Um, I was uh, isolating myself from uh, kind of everybody else and did not really feel. Yeah, I did not really feel happy at all. Um, I gained a lot of weight and, you know, I raced two seasons or one season. Um, I had these asthma attacks coming all the time and I DNF'd more, uh, more races than I finished. And the ones I, th I finished, I did terrible at. So my own, you know, the picture I had of myself was definitely not the, the, the real one or I don't really know how to put it, um, but I went into a pretty dark hole and was I was not that happy at all. Um, and then in 2018, I yeah I was called into uh, to the national uh, what is it what is it called director sportive, and then I was cut from the national team because of lack of. Uh, of race results which, which looking back back was fair enough because i did not do anything good at all the, the last two years but at that point i was very sad about it and i felt like i had now i had actually nothing um and you know i started uh, things at university did not go well and everything kind of was just a negative downward spiral and i afterwards had a chat with my coach um, and we decided that maybe it was time to just try something new, um, see what would happen if I signed up for 70.3 and then we'll, yeah, take it from there. And I, yeah, just started doing a 70.3 and it went, oh, like decent. Um, and then it was not great, but it was better than it was before. I got a contract where I could earn some money and, you know, I could pay my rent and, and the food and all that, um, which made my mother pretty happy because uh, obviously she also knew that everything was not great. Yeah. And then, you know, 2019 came and I, I raced a couple of decent races, but I, I had some, I had an enemy in, in roundabouts and I had like, how many crashes was it, Mickey? Like four crashes and roundabouts or so. You know, I had no self-esteem, no self-confidence, and the it was kind of a stigma for a, for a kind of professional. I was not hundred percent professional, but still um, kind of professional athlete. The fact that you are not hundred percent racehorse and you are not there, like you do not perform in school, you do not perform when you're supposed to and all that. And I took that very hard on myself. Um, so I started uh, doing, uh, you know, going to a psychiatrist uh, regularly and, you know, just figuring out how my path is supposed to be. Did a lot of good. And then, you know, I raced Ironman Klagenfurt, ended up winning. And that was the moment, kind of a, a wake up moment where you know, for the for the first time, I was actually proud of something I I had done, and that came came out on the finish line. You know, afterwards, also just sitting there in my hotel room, thinking about yeah, thinking about the years before and all that, was 
terrible to be honest um you know thinking of, i had like three weeks where i almost did not come out of my room uh just with the blinds down and you know i hated everything to be honest from that and then winning the iron man that was yeah it was tough to remember but still it was a great feeling of kind of overcoming that period of time um and then finally being able to actually be proud of of uh what I've done. So that was a long story. No, but <laughs> seriously, Daniel, people like respect to you for actually saying all of that. And I think if people now were to go and rewatch your celebration on the finish line at Ironman Austria in 2019, you can understand every kind of physical movement that you made in your body, just everything that you had been through in those years prior. Is it was all coming out, all coming out. Yeah, and I also actually coming back to the world championships, I think that's also a huge part why I was so happy for Miki, because I know he, he have also struggled. You know, everybody in our team have struggled and all other athletes are also struggling with something, some point in their lives. And I think recognizing that and also respecting each other for getting out of bed and and you know overcoming those obstacles you know that's the real win of uh yeah of a situation like that at world championships and that that was what i was the most happy for for miki because um people do not really see what happens behind the curtain you know um i take myself sometimes looking at um, American football or something and thinking their lives must be brilliant and also just the fact that you know looking at two years ago looking at people who is maybe on the the kind of point of their career as I am now and I was thinking like okay he must they must feel so great and everything is effortless and all that and uh, I can tell you <laughs> Uh, challenges always comes in funny shapes and forms and it happens to everyone so i i felt it difficult uh, being a professional athlete and and dealing with i would say uh, mental challenges but you know every everyone deals with it it's just not it's just not something that people talk about and i get why people are not talking about it but i think a lot of people should also know that it's not it's not only you, it's everybody else as well. And Mickey, you hearing Daniel then talking about all of that, like how how does that how does it make you feel? Because obviously you've been there with him since you met in twenty fourteen. Yeah, I, I mean and I, I of course know Daniel's story. I know what he have been through. I know how he have developed and yeah, Daniel said earlier that he was he was proud of me, um, and I must say that I'm really proud of Daniel and the process that he has been through, the way he has matured. Of course, as an athlete, but so much more as a person. The Daniel you see now versus the Daniel I saw seven years ago is like black and white. Um, yeah, then I just think that both Daniel and I, we, we, we maybe don't possess a huge amount of talent. We're both grinders. We do the hard work every day, and we enjoy the hard work. We, we, you would say that we have a talent for, for the hard work and not so much the talent for the, maybe for the sport itself. We both do excessive amounts of, of practice um, in order to become better and that was also the case for us once 
like when we were swimmers and I think that's also partly why we we're doing so good um, because we are we're not used to having everything come very easy to us we've been used to from a young age to, to have to work hard for it and I think that has really helped the both of us to achieve um, a very high sporting level. Daniel weren't you living on like oatmeal or, or something like that like very basic food? Uh. <laughs> Yeah, I had uh, you know, I, I had to pay, I had to pay bills and, and everything else. So uh, I had, I had two months where, yeah, I had oatmeal for, for um, breakfast and lunch, and maybe there would be a bit of money for, uh, for some eggs for dinner, <laughs> but that was kind of it. Um, but as as Miki also says, that's just you know. I, I've always thought like some people have things tougher or life tougher than I have and face tougher challenges, um, you know, and, and I, th- I kind of feel like when you go into things um, with that perspective, it just makes, you know, of course, I'm going to gonna overcome this and uh, kind of look at it uh, positively instead of um, instead of just sit down and uh, and cry about it and that's that's come that also come comes back to what Miki said as you know we we things are not coming easily for for the both both of us so that's just kind of kind of how we are brought up and you can say a lot of things about the environment in in Danish swimming but when it comes to it I'm actually pretty happy about how things were for me because I you know I've always learned to work hard in order to get what I wanted um, and just you know when you face challenges then you just have to work harder and overcome it <laughs> um, but yeah that that period was uh, not the most enjoyable for sure <laughs> um, and Mickey do you have a little bit of an annoying habit of singing on the bike <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> not annoying um, I don't know why anyone would say that I, I mean do you I'm, get everyone singing uh, rarely, but it, it does happen occasionally. I love to sing on the bike. I don't know. I love it. Uh, even when I'm out on my own, um, I love to sing. And I actually don't sing that much elsewhere. I think I, I'm not kind of like I know people sing in the shower, but I sing when I'm out on my bike. And I don't. Sometimes I sing for Carl, but actually, my girlfriend told me the other day you never sing for Carl. So I don't know. Maybe I only sing when I'm out on the bike. I don't know. But I love to sing on the bike. And what, what kind of songs are you singing on the bike? Oh, every kind of song. Whatever song pops into my head. One day I can be out, I can be humming Vivaldi, like something from the Four Seasons. And uh, one day it can be the most badass rap song you can think of. Um, and it can be everything in between that. I mean, that's... Yeah, no, I, I, I don't the know. The worst I, part about it is when, when I'm in the front and pushing hard and you can just hear... From the back, then not that Mickey is in the back often, but if he's there whistling or singing or something, seriously, I can sometimes I'm this close to just stop stop the bike and punch him in the face. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna do it so much more often now. I had no idea you felt that way. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it all the time now. Just wait. Next time we race each other, you'll just hear me uh, yelling at the back. Just singing this, I don't know. I'll I'll find some song and I'll sing it very, very loudly during the race. Oh, 
Guys, you know what? I think you've earned a few more fans from from this podcast. You've both been utter superstars, um, and I've really enjoyed talking to you both. So thank you so so much. Likewise, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Inside Try Show. If you want to get in touch or get a little bit more information on anything, then reach out to Helen on Instagram or Twitter at Inside Try Show. As always, please do share this episode. Maybe you've taken something from it. Maybe, like me, you are filled with so much respect for Daniel for opening up about that. Maybe it kind of makes you think, wow, if he can talk about it, then maybe I can talk about it as well. Um, So yeah, do let us know. Share it. Send it to someone else who you think might benefit from it as well. Or if you just like it and you want to shout from the rooftops about it, that would be cool too. And if you do like what I do then, yep, you can always buy me a glass of vino, buy me a coffee every month over at patreon.com forward slash Inside Tri Show. And if you want to get in touch, it's Helen at InsideTriShow.com. So thank you again to ResilientNutrition.com for sponsoring the podcast. You can get 10% off with the code InsideTri10. You can also get a discount at 33fuel.com. They do amazing yummy energy bars and protein bars and daily greens. Just use the code InsideTry33. And then over at comfuel.co.uk, you'll get some money off with the code InsideTry. So until next week, happy training, enjoy, and we'll speak again then. Podcast Network.